Dorothy Proctor is a survivor, an African-Canadian and Aboriginal from the Mi'kmaq Nation. She entered the prison system three months after she turned 17 in 1960. During the next three and a half years of her incarceration, she was abused in the Kingston Prison for Women, sanctioned by what was then called the Penitentiary Service of Canada, where all types of drug experimentation, including, but not limited to, LSD-25, as well as electric shock therapy and sensory deprivation was used on her against her will. Dorothy Proctor was one of hundreds of Canadian prisoners who were experimented upon by psychiatrists in the 1960s and 1970s through the Prison LSD program, which was run by Dr. George Scott, a staff psychiatrist for the Canadian Federal Corrections. Dr. George Scott had served as director of the Canadian Army Psychological Rehabilitation Department during World War II. After the war, Scott teamed up with Shrinks from Allen Memorial Institute to launch a variety of drug, electroshock, sensory deprivation, and pain tolerance experiments using prisoners. Mark Eveson, a clinical psychologist and who had worked with Dr. George Scott, had administered antipsychotic drugs, including LSD-25, to the prisoners, as well as using sensory deprivation and electric shock on the prisoners. The LSD for some of the experiments, as well as funding for the research, was provided by the CIA, the Canadian Defence Department, National Health and Welfare, and by default, the Treasury Department, as well as a lot of prestigious universities such as Queens, Kingston, and McGill, and of course many others too numerous to mention. Almost three decades after Dorothy Proctor's release from prison, she was courageous enough to begin doing research on what had happened to her during those early years of her life as she was held captive and used as a guinea pig. Dorothy unveiled to the public the truth of these barbaric acts conducted within prison walls and with which the Canadian government was implicated. For a period of five years, ending in 2002, she successfully challenged and sued the Canadian government for these torturous experiments which were conducted on her as well as hundreds of other prisoners. We'll hear Dorothy share with us her thoughts about the outcome of her case against the Canadian government. Dorothy is asked if she was pleased with the outcome since she had won her case. The following is her response. No, there's nothing to be happy about. I won the court case on paper. Uh, we didn't win financially, of course, because, uh, I mean, there wasn't a, a financial award that I can't say because we've got had to sign off on it. But the financial award um, didn't even cover the bills I incurred in five years. So that's how small it was. But I was just happy to get it settled out of court because I wanted to get rid of it. You know, I had been abused in the 60s. And then during my court case, I was re-victimized. So it was like being re-raped over and over again, fighting these people who in the first six months after I had come forward and said, look, you people did this to me. We found the documents. There was an investigation. It proved that I was right. Well, why were they fighting me for five years they could have settled then. I could have gotten on with my life and I might have gotten more money because once you get lawyers involved, of course, the lawyers got to take their end, right? So it was proven in fact, in law and in truth that this is what happened to me. 
It costs the Canadian taxpayer over $3 million to fight me for five years when they didn't have to. I think the first investigation into it didn't need, uh, maybe was $60,000 to hire, to contract uh, a, a criminologist from the University of Ottawa, Ross Hastings, Professor Ross Hastings, and a retired clinical psychologist, Mark Benson. These were the two people that CSC hired to do an investigation and to do a report. That's all that was needed. They did, they proved it. They proved that I was right. That's it. So there's $60,000 that the taxpayers paid for that investigation and then they, and they recommended a compensation, financial compensation for me and an apology, okay? They could have handled it then. No, 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 no. They wanted to take me on. And then, you know, it costs the government all of this money all of this money plus bad publicity over and over again. Every week I'd come out of the archives with new stuff, new stuff, new stuff and take it to the press and the press would put it in the newspaper and the CSC kept shooting themselves in the foot, kept shooting themselves in the foot and they wouldn't stop. It's like they, it's like they get on, uh, it's like they're addicted. You know, it's almost like an addiction with them. They are notorious. CSC is notorious for bad policies, for committing crimes, for breaking the law. They're notorious for it. And then when they get caught, they take the position of, well, we've got more money than that person and we'll wait them out, we'll fight them and we'll win. Well, they don't win. Do you know how many lawsuits are filed against CSC every year? Half of them, they don't win, more than half. So doesn't that tell you something? And they have the nerve to point at people and say, well, we think different. Well, you know what? Maybe we do. Do you know what I mean? I don't think like these people. I can't possibly think like these people at CSC. So maybe it's true, but they just didn't say it that way. You know what I mean? They say it like we're the ones that are bad guys. Elizabeth Fry Society has um, launched a human rights investigation into the abuse of women prisoners at the federal level. And it will trickle down because the abuse is everywhere, not just in the federal level, but um, they did. So anyway, it's been going on for a while. And I went to um, uh, set in, we were, it was at Parliament Hill in uh, the West Block. It was pretty big. I sat next to a woman from CSC. And then next to her was a woman from the parole board. And uh, they were there just to observe and take notes because they couldn't speak at this. This was not for them, <laughs> but they, they were invited to come and sit and take notes, which they should be there. You know, cops should be there. People should, you know, judges should be there. But anyway, so what CSC did is sent their junior people. Well, the junior people take copious amounts of notes. I think there were two women from a young, a junior for sure, and another woman who had been in another department and transferred uh, to research or something. Anyway, they take sit there, they take copious amounts of notes, they chit chat with us, and they go back to CSC. They have no power, they have no influence, they're junior people. You know, we wanted the top people from CSC, from the, you know, the women's, uh, the, the Nancy Stableforth, you know, we wanted her to be there, or her assistant at least. But anyway, I'm sitting next to this woman from CSC and we're, and we're talking, and I'm a very personable person. I, I socialize well. I don't walk around with a chip on my shoulder. We're, we're at an event, we're civilized. You know, we should be able to communicate with one another. So we're chatting through, through this. So we got a break time, you know, for coffee and our things that they laid out for us to eat. And um, 
She, she was very excited. And there's a nice woman. Right? She's a nice woman, right? And we're having this conversation and she says to me, I'm going to paraphrase it. She said, you'd be very happy to know that we have just built five new prisons for women. And I'm looking at her and I'm thinking, this is a stop sign mentality. Why would she delight in the fact that we have built five new prisons for women? These are five new monuments to failure. You haven't accomplished anything when you sit here and tell me you've built five new prisons for women. And actually there are 10 because they built five for men. But we're talking about women here, right? And I'm thinking, why would that make you happy? Why do you think we've advanced? Why do you think we're enlightened? Because we've built, you know, we need new schools. We need money for education. We need uh, housing for people. Well, this is a form of housing, isn't it? You know, lock them up. So then she continues on, we get into on the subject of suicide, women committing, committing suicide. And I said, well, it's just totally not acceptable when a woman commits suicide in, in prison. It's just not acceptable and it's preventable. I mean, if anywhere in the world where you're watched 24 hours a day, it's in prison. So, unless you're in the hole. Anyway, so she says to me, well, she said, you know, Dorothy, women in the free world commit suicide too. And I said, yes, women in the free world commit suicide, but they are not under the care and fiduciary duty of Correction Services Canada. And more women commit suicide in prisons than they do in the free world when you do the number, when you crunch the numbers. So it's not that these people are not nice people. As I said, she was a nice woman. I could go for coffee with her, but they have a stop sign mentality. They can't think out of the box. They can't think beyond what they've been brainwashed to think. And they won't dare challenge. And I mean, they have to have a job. They probably have their homeowners. They got to pay their, their mortgages and things like that. So they can't get out. They're stuck in this trap themselves. They're prisoners too, you see. There seems to be a, um, a mindset of CSC that when, when people, like we're talking, I think, primarily about women here, but just when people, because I don't like to exclude the men. I mean, men go to prisons too, right? And they get screwed around too. But there seems to be a mindset, especially for women. When women go to prison or get caught or find themselves in conflict with the law, and actually it's the law who's in conflict with the women, is that somehow we're defective, but we're not defective. We're usually sad, we're lonely, we're abandoned, we're abused, we're betrayed. We're not defective, you know, and to even use that word and have that, to have that even in your, in your mindset is so insulting. Am I any more defective than a woman who's living in Westmount, who was born into privilege, who, who, who was very wealthy, who has a, a wealthy husband who's maybe into politics and he's this and he's this and this, and she's a social butterfly of her community. And she's got a doctor coming in, pumping her full of uh, morphine every day. I mean, you know, these things, it, it happens. But because of who she is and she's, she has these layers of protection around her, but someone like me, who I don't have those layers of protection around me, of course I'm visible, so therefore I'm visible, so I'm defective.